Welcome to Instruction Interruption, a podcast to celebrate New Mexico education in every corner of our beautiful state. I am host Elisa Cooper de Uribe, the 2021 New Mexico Teacher of the Year. Join us as leaders talk pedagogy and practice and even share lessons they have learned along their journey in uplifting education. This podcast is sponsored by the New Mexico Oil and Gas Association and is produced in collaboration with the New Mexico Public Education Department. Today I sit down with Gloria Ruiz. Gloria is the Director of Community Affairs at the New Mexico Oil and Gas Association, also referred to as NMOGA. With a background in elementary education, Gloria has taken her studies to the leadership level in myriad capacities and her previous work at the Public Education Department's Office of Strategic Outreach, she helped create the New Mexico Engaged Framework for School-Family Partnerships. Gloria also serves on the Hispanic Education Advisory Council, created in 2010. Gloria speaks to the variety of ways that community and education can positively intersect, and how technology has played a role this past year in strengthening community and educational connections. She noted that companies have been able to step up and provide technology and resources to support students and STEM education and career opportunities, and encourages people to run for and participate in educational leadership roles, such as our local school boards. So put down your pencils and listen up. We're ready to interrupt your day with stories from one of New Mexico's education leaders. Welcome to this podcast episode. It is my delight to welcome Gloria Ruiz to our episode today. Gloria is the Director of Community Engagement for NMOGA, the New Mexico Oil and Gas Association, which has very generously sponsored the Teacher of the Year program and has done so much of the work to support our education system here in New Mexico. And as the Director of Community Engagement, Gloria has done much beyond just what we think of as K-12 education to support learning in our state. So it is my pleasure to welcome you, Gloria, to this episode so that we can learn more about you and your work with NAMOGA and your work for the state of New Mexico. Thank you so much, Elisa. Thank you for having me. It has been truly an honor to get to support you in your role as uh, Teacher of the Year. I've been thinking about your background and I'm wondering if you could share a little bit with us about how your path has led you to work with a focus on family engagement first with the public education department. Yeah, sure. So my educational background uh, is, is elementary education and I went into the public education department um, working in with the secretary's office and the Office of Strategic Outreach. Um, and at the time, there were a lot of changes happening in education in New Mexico. And what we found uh, at the department was information uh, was taking some time to get down into the hands of families, or maybe sometimes there was, you know, a little bit of a disconnect. And so when I was asked to step in and lead the work of, of family engagement, it was really about how can we best communicate with our parents and families in the state and our teachers as well. Um, and how can we also provide platforms for our educators, for our families to bring their voice, their questions up to the state department um, to address them, 
to make policy changes and just to engage at a different level with our educational leaders. So can you tell us a little bit about the platform that you helped to develop that is still live? Yes, absolutely. So a few of the resources that I helped develop at the public education department um, was NM Engaged. NM Engaged is a wonderful framework for family um, family and community engagement. And it's really geared towards helping school leaders build that framework out for their own school community. Um, another resource that we created at the public education department is a family resource guide. And so it's, as you mentioned, it's still up there today. Very proud of that work. We worked with national partners who have, you know, really researched best practices, who understand uh, the best ways to communicate with our families. And really it was designed to help parents, regardless of their students' grade level, um, to receive personalized information to help support the learning at home, but also to build partnerships with um, educators and school leaders to support our students academically and social, socially and emotionally. You know, as a parent and also as someone involved in education that this past school year was one where family engagement really came to the forefront of um, our perspective in terms of priorities. And so uh, having served in family engagement in that role at the state level, I'm wondering if you have some best practices from your experience that you would encourage educators like me and my colleagues to look into specifically as we prepare for this new school year. Absolutely. So um, as you know, Elisa, relationships just matter so much with our families and how we meet every single family right where they're at. Um, and building those relationships, um, organizations like Learning Heroes, um, is a wonderful resource for our educators that can help really, um, whether it's the resources that um, parents might need, or if we're looking towards um, the questions that, you know, maybe as parents, we don't think of asking. We come into parent-teacher conferences, and I remember whether they were 15 minutes or a half an hour, um, trying to think of everything I wanted to ask my uh, child's teacher um, but there are some really great resources that can help prompt those really rich conversations. Um, and so there, there are, um, and again, they're on the, the family guide that the public education department has. And I know they've really provided many resources, especially going back um, after this last school year that we had and building upon, right, those relationships that we've built, the different ways of communicating and looking to see how we can really, as parents come in this school year, um, really trying to gauge where students, uh, excuse me, as students come in this next school year, I'm um, really trying to gauge where our students are returning and help parents informing them with that information. Um, also identifying the goals that teachers have for students this school year and communicating that with parents and families and providing maybe some quick fun activities that would help support learning at home. Um, I know many educators, some of the best practices I've seen is, you know, maybe putting those fun activities that would um, be linked to, to learning uh, in a newsletter or in um, a texting app that teachers like to use. Um, and now, you know, we're used to using technology more and more. Um, many educators have, you know, recorded themselves and then sent those tips home for families to see at home. I know myself being a, an education major, when my daughter was in fourth grade, 
I remember looking at her math homework and thinking about my own teacher prep program. And I thought, oh my goodness, we, you know, this is something completely different. And so it was really key to have those conversations with my child's teacher to say, okay, maybe I'm not, you know, explaining this to my child correctly as we're going through homework. What are some tips that you have? And so for, you know, both families and for educators, it's how do we continue to open those lines of communication um, and also understanding how families prefer to be uh, communicated with? What's the easiest way to, to reach them? Those are really good tips. And it's so good to know that those resources are there and available. Uh, speaking from the perspective of a teacher who is going to be welcoming in a lot of new colleagues this year to my program, it's always helpful to know where I can guide people to look for if they are working uh, to prepare materials and resources for their families. And I have to say, as a mom as well, I'm always really glad to know that there are places where I can go that are state-based that uh, can continue to give me new perspectives on and how I can engage as well. And I know that during this um, past school year that families became a part of our kids' education in a way that we really hadn't seen in our generation, at least. And so having um, more access to, to resources to, to continue to support how much education happens at home, how much family type support happens at school and really connecting the two. So thank you for that. Um, yeah, one, one other, you know, as I worked with educators um, and with families across the state, you know, we think our kids are in school the majority of the time, um, but when you actually break down how much time they spend in the classroom and how much time it is away, they're actually away from the classroom much more than we really think. Um, and so giving parents tips and tricks, um, I, you know, my son right now is at baseball practice. And so we're, when they're not in school, it seems like we're on the go a lot. Um, so quick little activities or tips that parents can take with them while they're on the go to help support that out of school time learning is always really great. Thank you for that. Um, you know that the school where I work, we have a focus on multilingual education and we're always every year looking at how we can evolve to best support all of our students and all of our families. And one of the things that I know that you do to support families and education across the straight, uh, state is your membership with the Hispanic Education Advisory Council. So I thank you for your leadership on that. And I'm wondering specifically in terms of our really diverse Latinx students in our state, what kind of insight could you share with how we can best serve the, our, our students and their families as we as we continue to move into this new school year? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, um, very different school year last year and um, educational institutions and schools should really be looking at how we can be responsive to families as they move through the pandemic, um, how we can build new opportunities for student success, um, knowing that they had a very different school year last year we really can't go back to business as usual. We've learned so much and we've, we've grown and we've evolved. And so we really wanna, again, understand how students and families are showing up this school year. 
um, knowing the challenges that they've had to face. Um, and I, I think as we, you know, start to build these relationships this school year, um, we're going to start to, you know, really be able to hone in on how we can help, you know, provide that individualized support, both academically and building the socio-emotional health of our students and our teachers. Um, we've had to pivot as a result of the pandemic and many families are experiencing challenges that we need to address. Um, but I think it's really important to, to really look at what's the right education opportunities for our students, um, those individualized opportunities. Um, is there tutoring that our students are going to need and are we gonna need to provide additional support there for each and every student? Um, knowing that we're using technology much differently than we did in, in years past. And, you know, living in a rural district, having my students go attend a rural school district, um, it's been so amazing to see how our school has been responsive to getting technologies into the hand of each and every student. And we need to continue to do that. And for families to, to really be able to understand what's working for their students and what doesn't. And I, as a parent who, uh, you know, I was fortunate enough to be at home most of the time while my students were learning at home. And I really started to see um, them as individual students and, and, you know, how technology, whether it worked really well for them or some areas that I could help support them or ask the school for support for them. Um, and again, really just honing in on, you know, what's working, where does my student need additional support, opening up those lines of communication so we can um, help understand how we can support students. And also, you know, as we're looking at our students in middle school and high school, what's, um, what's a clear path to a career or college that they're looking at? Um, and how can we help um, build on those conversations between families and students and getting them on the right track for uh, college and career? That's a lot of really important perspective that you take to the table of the Hispanic Education Advisory Council. And for many of us who aren't as familiar with the work of councils like that, would you be able to share a little bit more about how uh, councils like the Hispanic Education Advisory work to, to really engage with those amazing questions that you just said. Yes, the Hispanic Education um, Council, it was actually passed legislation, and I'm, I'm not gonna remember the exact year, I believe it was around 2010, um, and we're appointed actually by the Secretary of Education. And so we come together as a group to really hone in and advise the Secretary on Education on how we can best support our Latinx students in, in the state and all Hispanic students. So um, it has been a wonderful privilege to get to work with an amazing group of leaders in our state to help address some of these issues. And so, um, yes, I'm, I'm honored to continue to serve in this role. Thank you for that. I think it's great for people in our state to hear how parents and how engaged community members can have these leadership opportunities that directly affect education. So thank you for that. I would love it if you could also share with our listeners some more light on the importance of educators and also community members attending local school board meetings and what the role of the school board is within our education system. Yes, sure. So when we think of our school boards, I think oftentimes we think of, you know, school boards, 
school board's job is to approve our district's budget and to hire our superintendents. But it's just so much more than that. A lot of people don't realize that uh, the funding that's received in education, the vast majority of that is controlled at the local level. And so our, our school boards and our school or district leaders really have a great deal of say on how that funding gets spent. Um, and really that support that our school boards able to provide to our school community as, as leaders in um, being able to bring, again, the voice of their community as, as local elected officials. And for me, as a parent, I feel like it's critical for me to be involved and attend school board meetings to help, you know, bring the perspective that I see as a parent and a community member. Um, I, I know many, many people that, you know, aren't able to attend meetings. Maybe there's, you know, they, they feel a little intimidated and, and don't really understand what's going on. And I tell people all the time, like, please come to school board meetings. You'll learn so much. Um, our school boards are really welcoming and opening, open to having um, our community members and parents and families there and love that participation. But really being able to say whether it's coming up with our priorities for next school year, I know is um, or how the funding should be spent the following school year and and what are our goals that we have for our district and for our students and, you know, how do we want to really look to impact um, what's happening in the classroom. And so it's really important, not only, you know, for folks to really look at maybe taking on and taking that step to, to be an elected official as a school board member, um, but also to participate when they can. I know that at our school, being a charter school, uh, we don't have a school board per se with that designation, but we do have a governing council. And also, uh, it's so critical that the community members be able to share their perspective so that the decisions can better encompass the, the needs of a community, that being the goal. So thank you for, for sharing that and for encouraging people to, to take part in that process. Do you sense that there might be more access to school board meetings now that people have had more practice with the virtual setting that maybe families would have more access in a virtual setting while a school board, school board meeting is happening in person? Yes, I, I know some of our larger school districts have been streaming um, their school board me meetings even before the pandemic, um, but many, right, we, we did have to pivot and we did have to provide it online. So um, what I've loved about it is, you know, someone who tries to get to every single school board meeting is my family never really came with me. Now that it's been held virtual, you know, I could make dinner while I have the meeting going on in the background. And it was so heartwarming to see my family listening in when these important decisions are being made, right? What does our return to school look like? Um, and how is, how is school going to look different? And I remember catching my family one time, just all hovered around the laptop as I was making dinner, um, just listening in to the school board meeting. So that's been really great um, and wonderful way to, to get them engaged in these conversations as well. That's fantastic. It's so beautiful to hear that in the midst of something that was very challenging, that some very beneficial things can come in terms of community participation that's multi-generational and more inclusive. I love that story. Uh, so we have heard about so many ways that you have been engaged in education from 
your undergraduate studies, to your work with the public education department, to your work on the Hispanic Education Advisory Council and your fantastic participation in your local school board. But you also professionally right now are, are very involved in community engagement with Nomoga. And so in your work that you've had with Nomoga, I would love to know more about what ways that you have seen in this job that the private sector really uniquely supports our education system here in New Mexico by connecting students to future opportunities? Yeah, sure. So um, to start off, in, in 2020, the oil and gas industry provided $2.8 billion to the state's budget. That's about a third of our budget. Um, $1.4 billion of billion of that was for public schools and higher education. So as an industry, um, it's really continues to support um, education in the state. Uh, But really the oil and gas industry has also had the opportunity to engage directly with local school districts. And they've been able to be really responsive to the needs as a result of the engagement. So as an example, um, many of our companies have been able to bridge classroom instruction to real-world career opportunities. So they've really been able to step up and provide technology and resources to support students in STEM education and career opportunities. And uh, that has been one way that's been really wonderful. Again, um, as a result of the pandemic, a lot of um, events have been held uh, virtually And we were able to this last year bring um, engineers that were out in the field to be able to participate on uh, a STEM panel uh, with the research challenge, the state's research challenge that was happening in the state. And so that was another really great way to connect careers and for folks that might be four or five hours away um, to students in in the Albuquerque area um, and around the state. So... um, industry continues to really find ways to support. Um, Namoga also has the Brighter Future Fund and the Brighter Future Fund is a grant giving that we do in partnership with the Albuquerque Community Foundation that focuses on education. Um, And we really look for organizations that we can help support with STEM education as well as economic opportunities um, and supporting organizations um, that have a focus area in hunger as well. That's really speaking to some of the things that you had mentioned earlier about the critical questions we're thinking about in terms of providing our older students with opportunities for career paths and opening doors into what that looks like and to making the broader community a part of what they're thinking about now and the access that they have. It's really inspiring to hear that there are organizations that are outside the school system, but that are not only supporting them, but also making connections between what the professional world is like and what our learning students can have options to, to select when they're older. So, so it sounds like the work that you're doing is, is directly addressing a lot of the things that you've been thinking about uh, as we move through this pandemic. So thank you for sharing Absolutely. that. Absolutely. I'm also really curious to know, switching gears completely, because (laughs) you clearly have such a a heart for supporting education and learning. And I know that in the, the state of New Mexico, many teachers 
use music in their teaching and their learning and, and music does have a very special cultural place uh, within, within our state. So I would love to ask you now, who is your favorite singer? And <laughs> after you tell us who your favorite singer is, let's talk about that. All right. Well, um, I've, I definitely have a few of them, but the top of my list, I'd have to say, is uh, Marco Antonio Salis. And so he is a Mexican uh, artist that's very well known from being with uh, Los Bukis. Um, very, they're still very popular, but um, really they started out in, in the mid 70s when my parents were <laughs> were starting their family. And so, um, yeah, I, I would say he's right at the top of my list. Love his music. My husband has been told on a number of occasions that he resembles Marco Antonio Solis. So hearing <laughs> that he's your favorite singer brings me some type of connection there too. Is there a story um, that kind of sealed the deal for him being your favorite singer? You know, I just say I grew up um, and, you know, Saturday mornings, you knew it was time to clean the house when Marco Antonio Solis was blaring <laughs> on the radio and so it it really takes me back to my childhood um and I'd say generations of women in my family really uh love him love his music and so from from myself to my mother to my grandmother uh, I tell my daughter you will love him too <laughs> um but it just it, it's music that's just in in my opinion timeless um so well written just beautiful I love that one thing that I did this summer was attend Space Camp for Educators that Namoga has so generously sponsored. And we had one evening that was so beautiful and connecting because one of our state teachers of the year in the group from Texas, he played a song that everyone in our group could request that would symbolize their middle or high school experience or just kind of give some window into who they are. And so having that experience as teachers to get to know each other through our favorite singers or a favorite song or something super memorable um, was a way for us to really connect. And these learning experiences uh, through the Teacher of the Year program have been so meaningful for me, not only as a person and someone connecting with other people who are passionate about education, but to to really um, have professional development that is setting me, you know, on my path towards a, a really exciting future in education. And so I thank you for, for that and for Namoga's sponsorship. Absolutely. Um, we're so lucky to be able to support you and for the support of our members to be able to support the New Mexico Teacher of the Year program. Uh, as well as the Brighter Future Funds. We know the importance of educators in our state. Um, and so it's really, truly an honor to get to support you and to hear about all the fun and amazing things that you're doing, um, as well as um, listening about the opportunity that you have to bring teacher voice um, really to to the forefront here and, and learning more from you. So I, I can't believe this year has really flown by, but it has been so wonderful to get to to know you and and see see you in this role and all of the amazing opportunities that you've had. Thank you. It's such an honor to be able to represent all of my teacher colleagues 
here in the state. And I am wondering if, as we close our conversations, if you have any final words for my fantastic New Mexican teachers who are listening today? I would just say thank you. Um, I have so many friends, so many family members that are educators in our state. I know firsthand the hard work that you all put in. And it was not an easy school year last year. Um, and you all are, are really, truly selfless. Um, what you do for our students each and every day is just remarkable. And we're so grateful for it. One, as a parent, but really as a community member, someone who, you know, has been who's born and raised here in New Mexico and wants to see every student really have all of these amazing opportunities. And it's our, our teachers that are the game changers. Um, and we're so, we're so very lucky to have so many great, amazing educators in our state. So I just want to say thank you, teachers. Um, you all will have a wonderful school year and um, continue the, the great work that you're doing for our students. We really, truly appreciate it. Thank you so much for those words. Those are those go straight to my heart as well. And again, I thank you for joining me today for sharing more about how you as an individual and as someone who has been supporting education for many years uh, continues to do so um, with your vision for for supporting our kids. So thank you so much, Gloria, for joining us today to share. Thanks, Elisa. Thanks again to Gloria Ruiz, and thank you to the NMPED and Namoga for its sponsorship. May your inspiration be infinite and your coffee still warm. Thanks for listening. <laughs>